Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Twisted Manor. My name is Shai Mizrahi, and with me is my wife, Emily Mizrahi. Man, I'm excited for this episode because we decided to change things up. Emily and I were talking, and we think we're going to start theming our episodes. So uh, we let Emily choose the first theme, and I'm so glad she did. I was so fucking excited for this episode. I got really good stories. Um... You want to tell them what the theme is? The theme that we chose for this episode is, uh, like, ocean, like, spooky stories on the ocean. Right. Tales at Sea, which is going to be the name of our episode. Um, so you said that you prepared one story, right? Um, it's like a snippet of a few different stories. Okay. Cool, cool. So I have two stories that are, like, intermediately long. So I'll tell one, and then we'll jump over to your story, and then I'll tell my last story. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. I'm so fucking excited. This is going to be great. So as soon as Emily told me the theme of this episode, I instantly thought Bermuda Triangle. That is a place my mind went to. Yeah? Oh, my God. I love stories about the Bermuda Triangle, and there's not enough. Um, so I actually prepared some some context and some facts before I tell you this story. So um, for those of you who don't know uh, what the Bermuda Triangle is, it's also known as the Devil's Triangle. Um, it My is a was cannabis. <laughs> what? The Devil's Triangle, cannabis. No, the Devil's <laughs> Leaf or whatever. That's cannabis. Um, but as I was saying, for those of you who don't know what Bermuda Triangle is. It's like a loosely defined region of uh, the North Atlantic and the western part of it. There are crazy stories all throughout this triangle. Um, there's no real like defined lines on it, right? There's. We, I thought it was points. I thought there was. Points. Yeah, it's like Jamaica it's, it's and like the, Cuba. It's like part and, of like. Right. It's in the Caribbean. Yeah. So it's around that region, um, and then as well as that um some of the crazy stories report things from like this is one of the weirdest ones a blue beam that just shot from the cloud into the horizon of like the the water and it was not lightning because it was a straight line and it lasted about 10 seconds and it illuminated everything uh the captain all of the crew members cannot tell you what happened they have no idea what it was um there's from that all the way to like boats and planes disappearing without a trace. Um, strange occurrences date back since the 19th century. So a little while. Uh, and then one quick fact that might kind of like discourage some believers out there is that uh, despite its reputation for like all these lost uh, ships and things, there's really not a lot. Um, it's been proven that the Bermuda Triangle does not have an unusually high number of disappearances. It's actually average. Doesn't it mess with, like, navigation? Like, it's like a dead spot for um, magnetic north. I've heard that, but I've also never found a fact that has proven that. Um, a rumor. And in all my research, I didn't see that pop up. So, could be a myth. Could be just something that never came up in the conversation. Do you want to know my favorite story of the Bermuda Triangle? Uh-huh. Gulliver's Travels. What? Well, <laughs> yes. That is one of the better aspects of the Bermuda Triangle. Um, 
But like I mentioned before, um, it's like an average amount of disappearances. Um, so we've lost, however, two military crafts, the USS Cyclops in 1918 and a squadron of bombers under Lieutenant Charles, I think, um, in 1945. So two military disappearances. They disappeared without a trace, and they did not find a wreckage anywhere. It's just gone, vanished, right? Kind of eerie. Um, there are many beliefs as to the strange events taking place there. Uh, some believe uh, sea monsters like the Kraken, things like that. Um, others say that it's actually the lost city of, of Atlantis is down there. And that's what causes so many disturbances, which is an interesting guess. But I think geographically speaking, it doesn't make too much sense. I, I feel like Atlantis is somewhere closer to, like, the Mediterranean Sea than, like, out yeah. in the ocean. I imagine it'd be, like, a like a European island that right. sunk or something. But, I mean, to each their own, if you want to believe that. Um, <laughs> and then, lastly, um, a lot of people just think that these phenomena are caused by just, like, the hurricanes and tropical storms that frequently happen down there. However, to those who do believe in such things, like hurricanes caused all of it, I'm going to tell you... I believe in the Bermuda Triangle. I think there's just definitely something strange. I mean, maybe just because there's not more than average disappearances doesn't mean that they're not, like, unusual disappearances. Like, usually when a plane crashes, you find the plane, like, 90% of the time, but... 90% 90% of the things that go missing in the Bermuda Triangle don't come up ever again. Maybe it's like a space wormhole. It could be. It could be a wormhole. Like in the middle of the water just sucking people in. That's a whirlpool. Yeah, but like <laughs> it's going to be a wormhole at the bottom of the whirlpool. You never know. Science science isn't totally finished yet. We haven't ex- discovered everything. Um, another interesting fact about the Bermuda Triangle is that the Gulf Stream runs through it, which is um, a very strong current in that area that frequently changes, like, sharp changes in weather. So that also messes with, like, the instruments of the ship and things like that. Mm, yeah. Um... So, we've lost an unknown number of crafts, but it's estimated to be around 50 ships and 20 airplanes. So, quite but a they few. They don't know the number? It's they, an estimate? Yeah, it's an estimate. Yeah, so people could have just gone missing and we'll never know. Do you have the statistic on how many people have been estimated no, to go? No, I just found the craft amount, but storms in the Gulf Stream are definitely like a logical reason behind things. Um, until stories like the Mary Celeste come along. Um, so this boat was discovered December 4th, 1872. This is beyond spooky. Um, everything was intact aside from the whole crew. They found the boat. There was nothing wrong with it. But there was no one left. Was it floating? Yeah. It was like a totally, totally was like a just a drift. Maybe. But like... So it, it was going from New York to Italy. And the captain, his two-year-old daughter, his wife, and like seven crew members. So ten people total. And they had a lot of alcohol on the boat, which is important. They had a lot of valuables on there. And somewhere on their travels, 
they disappeared, and they found the boat, but there's no one left. So Tropical Storm is not going to just vaporize people on board. And secondly, they easily dismiss the fact that, like, pirates did not commit this and, like, make them disappear or anything because all the valuables are still on board. No alcohol was missing. I would have taken the alcohol, so. (laughs) So, yeah, that's kind of a weird one. Um, No storm can just, like, make someone vanish. So to those of you who think it's only that... Maybe they were witches and they were made of salt. And when the water came, they became salt water and became one with the ocean. <laughs> Interesting theory, but I'm going to say incorrect. <laughs> I don't know. They believed in witches. Yeah, but... They killed them with water. That's in The Wizard of Oz. No, they would drown witches. Okay. Killing them with the water, you made it sound like they just dumped a bucket of water on someone and they just melted. <laughs> hey, like waterboard. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's just some background on it. And I wanted to b- bring that little piece about the Mary Celeste for the story because... That's not the whole story? No, that's just the context. That's freaky. Um, so a lot of people are like, yeah, it's probably just tropical storms. I'm not disputing that. I'm sure that the storms have definitely caused some of the crashes. Especially the ones that we found. Um, but that can't be everything. No. So, um, some some of the stories that happen just have no explanation. And uh, this next one has me speechless. Um, I'm never sailing down there. I don't care how nice of a boat I can get. I'm not going in the Bermuda Triangle. I'll go. In the summer of 2018, I needed to escape. College wasn't working for me. I hated my roommates. And I have a pretty rocky relationship with my parents and no real social life and no job. So I decided to become a deckhand for a cruise ship. I just wanted away from everything and the pay was pretty okay too. I spent my summer cleaning, docking, and interacting with strangers. It felt great, freeing even. I quite enjoyed the sea life. Fresh air at all times, no real place to be, I met amazing people with the craziest stories. I even made a friend while on deck. The captain paired me with a man named Tulio. Tulio showed me the ropes of the job. Day in, day out, Tulio and I spent a lot of time together. It was nice. We used to take our breaks together and we would smoke near the back of the boat and let the water trail behind us. Tulio had worked this job for a couple years and really enjoyed it. He wanted to be a marine biologist, but he said he could never afford it. This was as close as he got, but he was happy. One evening though, Tulio and I were asked to clean a spill upstairs. However, on our way up to clean, something extremely strange happened. As we climbed the stairs, the lights flickered and it it became extremely cold. We heard footsteps approaching below us, and we heard something like whispering within our ears. I couldn't make out what it was, but before we knew it, the lights stopped flickering and the footsteps stopped. Tulio looked pale and weak, but he gestured me onwards towards the top of the stairs. Once finished, Tulio was sweating profusely and looked as if he was about to faint. The boat captain was walking about nearby, and I called him over. Tulio became visibly upset. The captain asked what the problem was and held Tulio by the arm. In return, Tulio made a strange sound, almost like a growl. He pushed the captain away from him. We were both confused. This wasn't like him at all. The captain reached out to Tulio to bring him closer. Tulio screamed, almost as if in agony. Sata Anul! 
The captain and I stared at each other, unsure of what to do. The water. It calls to me. Tulio calmed slightly, only then to shove the captain's hand away and to jump over the boat's railing. The captain ran after him, but it was too late. A giant splash could be heard below. The captain yelled, Man overboard! Turn starboard! We turned the ship. We scanned the waters, but there was no sign of Tulio. He had just vanished. I don't know what prompted this. I never heard any strange stories out on this boat. The only explanation I can think now is that we were out in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. Sadly, I spent the rest of that day talking to the captain about my account of what happened today with Tulio. What was our day like? I went to my I went to my bunk and I waited for morning. At about 2 a.m. though, I heard knocking at my door. My bunkmate Brian and I instantly awoke. It was a hard banging. Brian flicked on the lamp. We called out, who is it? No response. Again, the room grew super chilly. We called out again. Nothing. More banging. We heard a whisper in the room. Sata Anul. Brian screamed. I was freaking out too as his lamp flickered. Who is it? Brian screamed. From the other side of the door, we could hear someone. The water calls me. And the door flung open. Still in our beds, we screamed. No one was on the other side of the door. The lamp fully returned its light, and a puddle could be visibly seen out in the hallway. That was it for me. That was my last cruise after that. Nobody had an explanation. I went home after that cruise and worked a new job as a sales associate. I've never gone back to the sea since. Those words chill me to the bones, and it's enough to keep me away from open waters forever. Isn't that so creepy? That's so scary. It's almost like Tulio came back on the ship. Yeah. If Tulio was enticed, like, was he trying to bring his friend down with him? Ooh. Ooh, the plot thickens. Tulio's looking for his friend to join him. Yeah, so that was probably the freakiest story I could find on the Bermuda Triangle. I couldn't find a whole lot, but that one, absolutely. What uh, what story do you have for us? So the story that I have um, is just a few snippets of the Titanic. And I wholeheartedly believe that it is haunted. Um, There's a new twist. I haven't heard this. I've heard a lot of stories about like the Titanic, you know, just... Like, from different perspectives of what happened that night and, like, obviously the famous story of it crashing. But that's mostly the extent of what I've heard about the Titanic. Maybe a couple conspiracy theories here and there, but that's that's the most of it. So, um, the Titanic's official name, RMS Titanic, it was an ocean liner that was speeding going way too fast in the icy waters that they were in. And they it crashed into an iceberg, split in, pretty much split in half and sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Um, it sank on April 14th and 15th in 1912. So that's just the context for the story? Yeah, in, in case, so that, in case you didn't know anything about the Titanic. <laughs> Um, do now. So this one, it's just a few 
um, snippets of um, personal experiences. And um, most of these stories happen in the Las Vegas Luxor Hotel and Casino, and they have a Titanic artifact attraction. Okay. So there's a f- there's like a few places around um, the United States that have artifacts from the Titanic, but the m- most of what was recovered is in display in this Titanic artifact exhibit exhibition. There's stories of ghost ghosts on the water, ghosts in passing boats, and ghosts in the water passing submarines. But hmm. uh, most of the stories come from where the public has easy access to them. That if you take these um, artifacts away, the souls follow. So the first one is that a lady in black appears on the grand staircase. Employees and guests alike have seen this mysterious woman who wears a black period dress with a white collar and her hair in a bun. As a photographer prepped for the opening of the exhibition, he spotted the woman casually walking down the grand staircase. He was startled as he hadn't seen anyone enter and the staircase was roped off. He assumed she was part of the exhibit and asked if she'd like him to photograph her. She ignored him. He went back to setting up, but suddenly she was directly behind him. Again, he offered a photograph, and this time, she didn't just ignore him, she vanished. What? That would scare the shit out of me. Like, I hate it when people are quiet and it's like right behind you. I would love to review the surveillance footage for this one. Um, I wasn't able to find oh, it yet. Oh, there's footage for this one? I don't know if it's survived to this point. Uh-huh. Um I haven't been able to find it yet. Okay. So there are portraits in um, the same exhibit in Las Vegas. And this one particular portrait is of J. Bruce Ismay, one of the Titanic's builders. He was on the ship while it was sailing, and he fled the sinking ship, leaving women and children behind. Everyone knows the story that women and children first, men last. So majority of the people that died were men that day. He didn't follow by that rule, um, and he escaped. Witnesses on the lifeboats claim he kept his back to the ship as it descended. And allegedly, he was the one insisting the ship speed up after receiving ice warnings. Perhaps it's not surprising that the ghosts of the Titanic seem to dislike him. One early morning in the Luxor, um, the crew came in to open the exhibit, and they found the portrait of Ismay on the floor. The manager watched the surveillance video from the night before and was stunned to see the picture begin shaking before coming off the wall, apparently of its own accord. Ooh, and he said this is they have footage of this. Well, I mean, he just said that... The manager watched the surveillance video. Right. I have no idea if they still have it today. Okay. That'd be interesting to see for sure. This next one. This ghost does not haunt the Luxor or the Titanic, but his burial place. He was a survivor of the Titanic. Frederick Fleet, 
a British sailor, served as the lookout above the RMS Titanic. He spotted the deadly iceberg and warned the bridge. Tragically, his warning came too late. The ship was going too fast to avoid a collision. Fleet survived the sinking of the Titanic, but not his own depression. After his wife's passing, just after Christmas in 1964, he was evicted by his brother-in-law and hung himself in the garden. Shit. His grave went unmarked until the Titanic Historical Society erected a headstone for him in 1993. It appears his spirit is not quite at rest, however. Witnesses have claimed to see him keeping watch over the Las Vegas exhibition's promenade deck, perhaps driven by his guilt to keep watch even in the afterlife. So even though he survived the Titanic, his soul still found the deck in the exhibition and continued to watch over it. Wow. That's so cool. I really like that because you don't hear a lot of ghost stories about, you know, a ghost that's protective by any means or like a goodwilled spirit or anything. So that's really interesting. I like that a lot. So this next one is actually Ghost Hunters, the the Ghost Hunters, a TV show. Okay. They captured a voice on tape. I don't have the recording of the voice. but okay. um, So this is actually in the Georgia Aquarium. And they have Titanic exhibit, um, and it just has some artifacts. It says that they own nearly $200 million worth of treasure. The 5,500-piece collection contains almost everything recovered from the wreckage of the RMS Titanic. From fine china, shoes, and sheet music. Wow, I'm actually kind of surprised the paper survived at all. Well, that is, it says that they were all pretty brined. Oh, right. So, so it says that the Georgia Aquarium also houses potentially haunted artifacts from the Titanic. The employees have claimed to see shadows, hear voices, and even be touched by the spirits. The paranormal activity is so intense that Sci-Fi Channel's ghost hunters came in to investigate. They reportedly captured a recording of a voice saying, no, please wait, in the iceberg room. The team also said they got readings of several anomalous cold spots and witnessed a shadowy figure. So sometimes it's just artifacts and not places that these souls are attached to. This one, Captain Smith haunts his former home in England. Former residents of the 19th century Victorian property the birthplace of Captain Edward John Smith, are convinced they've seen the ghost of the ship's master in the bedroom. So this is the captain of the RMS Titanic. Yeah. The previous owners of the house even reported a mysterious flood in the kitchen and an icy chill in the dining room. Captain Smith, who was among 1,500 people who died when the Titanic struck an iceberg a century ago, lived at the house until he began his naval career as a teenager. This soul died at sea and sunk with his ship just as all ancient folklorian good captains do. <laughs> but he decided to return home to his birthplace. And that's where he resides now. 
Freelance writer Mr. Bonner, 64, said some years ago we had a single chap living in there, and he rang up one day, convinced he had seen the ghost of the captain. He had been at sea himself and said he was in bed when he saw him drift across the room. The ghost wasn't in a naval uniform or anything, but he was certain he had seen him. It hasn't caused anyone to move out, but without doubt it could be haunted by the captain's ghost because other people have reported spooky goings-on. We've heard things go bump in the night from other tenants. Some have said they felt a really cold chill passing over them, as cold as an iceberg. That's so interesting. That's a very rich paranormal history. Yeah. It's super interesting. I didn't know any of that. Um, It's very cool to see how many surviving pieces of the Titanic we still have. And how many surviving pieces of the crew that we still have. So that's very, very interesting. I like that. So this one, um, there is a legend surrounding the Titanic that it was cursed before it even set sail. Uh There are dozens of stories, people having bad premonitions or feelings or even seeing the ship sink before it even went down. So this one um, was on the deathbed of a young Scottish girl named Jessie. On the same night the ship went down, this girl is in Scotland, Jessie was on the verge of dying. In her delirious state, she supposedly spoke of a massive sinking ship and a man named Wally playing a fiddle. She had no way of knowing the Titanic would sink that night or that Wallace Hartley played his violin one last time as he and his band went down with the ship. Um, And I just have a, like, um, here's, like, a bunch of anecdotes from people. I heard a lot about, like, people, um, like, like you're saying, like, getting premonitions that it's going to sink. I've heard a lot of things about, like, conspiracy theories that, like, they sunk the boat on purpose and things like that. Like, there's so many people in on it, and that's why people knew about it beforehand. Well, and definitely it was deemed unfit for the sea. Right. There's a lot of things that was a little... Fishy. Questionable. (laughs) Yeah, fishy about it. So that was... Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of mystery shrouding the Titanic, I guess. And a lot more than I knew originally, so that's super cool. So this one, um, going on the, like, premonitions of this curse, says Eugene Daly, a young Irishman from Athlone, boarded the Titanic at Queenstown along with a group of friends who were also traveling in steerage. It wasn't long before young Mr. Daly told of having had a disturbing dream and his friend Bertha Mulville later recalled the incident. It was a funny thing, said Miss Mulville. There was a boy named Eugene Daly from my hometown who was with us. When we left Queenstown, he told us he had dreamt that the Titanic was going to sink, and every night we were at sea, he told us he had dreamt that the Titanic was going down before we reached New York. On Sunday night, just before he went to bed, he told us that the Titanic was going to sink that night. It was uncanny. 
Elsewhere, Miss Mulville related how Eugene Daly knew the ship would sink because in his dream, he had plainly seen the collision with the iceberg. After Titanic's collision with the iceberg, Miss Mulville stood on the slanting deck as the last lifeboat began to be lowered away. A sailor in the boat looked at the young woman and cried, Jump! She did and landed safely on the lifeboat. Eugene Daly was one of the few male steerage passengers, passengers who was fortunate enough to survive the sinking of the Titanic. Wow. And there's just a dozen more stories like that. That's eerie. What do you think, like... Because there's a big difference between, like, like mystics and then, like, cryptids. You know what I mean? So there's, like, evil, like, sea monsters and skinwalkers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's weird stuff like this that's just, like premonitions and like like fortune telling and stuff i feel like they've got to be related somehow but they're just so different in their aspects of like eeriness yeah so i don't know that's just super odd very macabre but this last one um i think is the creepiest if it is true of course okay it's this story is only mentioned in a few places and there's no, I couldn't find any, like, original documents or records of it happening. Um, so a lot of people, you know, with no evidence, assume that it's all just a lie to get um, attention. So, for one, a lot of ships passing by see orbs floating over the water of the Titanic. And there was even an incident where a submarine passing by, like near, like this is within a few miles, all of these stories, that passing by the Titanic could swear they received an anonymous SOS call. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pretty obvious to them that an SOS call would be from the Titanic one, because of its close distance, but two, during that time, it was more in use, I guess, accepted protocol to use um, CQD, come quick, danger. Uh And there was only a few ships at that time using SOS. It was kind of a new thing. And so... Oh, With the Titanic being so close and it being an SOS signal, then... Because the Titanic used right. both, both signals. Gotcha. Um, so this one is from the Queen Elizabeth II, which is also an ocean liner. Um, almost three times the size of the Titanic. Jeez. <laughs> um, and this is the most concise story I could find on it. The Queen Elizabeth received a distress call abruption from the Titanic as they were crossing near the wreck in February 1978. So, what? Well over well over 5 6 decades. That's crazy and they're sure it's from that ship. So this is this is what they reportedly heard. Okay. They allegedly received a distress call on an old wavelength with the words, 
Come quick in distress. Boiler rooms flooded. Ship is sinking. The operator changed the wavelength and replied, What is the name of your ship? Titanic, came the reply. Um, the captain on the bridge was informed and the operator tried to contact the ship again, but to no avail. When the incident was logged, it appeared that the Queen Elizabeth II's position was almost the same as the Titanic when she floundered all those years earlier. So one thing, which I guess I don't know a lot about radio messages, um, but apparently a lot of people speculate that the only reason that that could happen, if it was real, well... It was logged. That if, yeah, I haven't, I haven't found any like records of them logging it, but this is what is said. But people always try to find like a scientific reasoning behind it. So if it really did happen, then the logical solution that they've decided on is that certain wavelengths can be caught in the atmosphere given the right conditions and so the wavelengths were stuck in the water but that doesn't seem very logical but the thing that got me the most is that you wouldn't be able to get the reply yes yes right. it was very much like straightforward contact right that you asked a question and they replied plainly right and if that's a stuck wavelength, then there would either be no reply or the reply might not make sense right. as they would be replying to someone else. Right. And so. Oh, that's, that's spooky. So if you that's choose really... to believe that one, that one's the creepiest one I've heard. The fuck? That's so creepy. I don't even know what to do in that moment. Like, you're just <laughs> checking your instruments and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Help. Who? Titanic? What? Like, man. Yeah, that's super cool. I like the story you picked. I like that a lot. And um, a lot of, like, supernatural investigators and professionals say that the ingredients that you need to create a stuck or lost soul is great emotions and, um, can abrupt disaster so some kind of tragedy yes so which i don't know if i believe that's true because anyone who believes in ghosts also hears plenty of stories of like oh like my grandpa peacefully passed away right and i saw him in our old house kind of a thing um so i don't really know what causes souls to stay or if maybe they maybe they all work walk this earth and we just can't see all of them or not all of them interact with us. Maybe the spirit yeah. world interacts and interchanges with this world. Interesting thought. I think that spirits that get so called stuck is like a mixture of things. So like one is like regret or like unfinished business is what's commonly referred yeah. to, right? Like their story isn't over, like, they're still seeking justice, or they want to, you know, like, get revenge or, or something, right? Um, yes. I think another part of it is 
like you said, the trauma, like they can't shake off what happened and that's what's keeping him here. So like the torture that they went through or like whatever killed them was just so horrific. They're like in a time loop and just reliving that death over and over. And then the last thing Mm -hmm. is like you said, the peaceful thing. Sometimes they just don't want to go. And like that ghost is still protecting the deck of the Titanic. Maybe it's more of a good reason. Maybe they're here to watch over us still. So I think there's just a, a odd mixture of things that could be and couldn't be. Maybe a soul is strictly comprehensive of the mind. Because when you experience a severely traumatic event, you literally replay that over and over in right. your head. PTSD. And so if a soul, if someone dies of a traumatic experience like that that could cause PTSD and the soul is just an attempt at a physical manifestation of your mind, then you're going to keep reliving that as a spirit. Yeah. Which makes sense because why, now that you're a spirit, like why would you be able to just automatically comprehend and be unrestrained from the things that you've lived your whole life? Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like even when we die and we become souls or spirits or whatever, you're still restricted in some sense, like, brain-wise. Like, obviously you don't have a brain anymore, but that's how you've thought your whole life, you know, like, Like it just makes sense. If any of you have watched Ghost Hunters on TV, um, like, a huge, like, indicator, even in, like, scary movies and things, is doors. Doors opening and slamming and... You know, like, ghosts, like, the spirits, like you said, they're restricted to what they remember, and so they still use doors. Right. I've heard lots of stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, so that's interesting because that actually leads perfectly into my story. (laughs) Nice. Um, So, first thing is that I was very conflicted as to what what story I was going to tell. I thought I was going to talk about Blackbeard for a little bit there. A very interesting story with him. Um, I thought maybe I'll, I'll find a sea monster like the Kraken or something. But uh, this one is by far more chilling. It is kind of borderline on the ocean because it is actually a beach that is haunted. I think that, I think that Yeah. That works. <laughs> a lot of people might be wondering like what what is going to make a beach haunted and like so scary um shark and it's the fact that this beach is in singapore um not that that's scary but um the people in singapore it's chang changi beach and uh changi how'd you spell it c-h-a-n-g-i changi i think that's how you take your white word for it thank you so changi beach is scary because there were hundreds of trials and executions on that beach. Um, they killed, I think, 135 Japanese um, prisoners of war in World War II. A lot of Chinese men were killed on that soil. Um, but a lot of the time is that they would, they would kill some of the Japanese men because the planes were faulty and so they killed their own people because of something that wasn't their fault. Oh, my goodness. Um, and they would take them to the side of the beach in, like, some, like, kind of like a more hidden area, a little bit more, like, discreet. And they would torture them and then kill them. 
and it was just awful. They would decapitate people, and they would beat them. It was just absolutely brutal. Was this a battleground or just strictly execution? No, this is strictly execution and trial. I Does believe. it have a like a nickname like Deadman's Beach? Or no, something? no, just Ch- we should Chong give it a name. Beach. Um, what does Chongi mean in Chinese? I don't know. What kind of Chinese do they speak in Singapore? What language do they speak in Singapore? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like Mandarin? Probably, I think it is Mandarin, but Never been. I'd we have to go. double check. We should go. The Chongi Beach? I'm no, gonna... it's just Singapore. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, ever since the Japanese occupation, uh, there have been various... It, like just numerous stories about strange phenomena that happen on the beach. Um, anything from we've gotten reports of like heads of Chinese men floating around and uh, decapitated bodies trudging aimlessly around in the sand. Uh, crying, screaming have all been heard and reported to the police. Like no any, people ever found. Any like distinction like between night and day? Like, um, from what I hear, it's just whenever. And, and this story are is these actually from like tourists. Like, can you visit there? Like, um, I like believe you can place? just go to the beach and just hang out. But yeah, it's and this this story kind of proves that I think. Okay. Um, so this story actually happens like on the border of day and night, like leading into the night. Um, so sunset. Yeah. So whoever. Uh, Whoever this person is, I mean, you'll hear their name, but I can't even imagine going through this, especially at night. Um, it's just horrifying. So um, this story is of a teenager in Singapore. His name is Benjamin. And this story starts out with love. He is in love. Everything about Aria made him smile. Uh, tonight was his big chance. He asked Arya to be with him in a place that was beautiful and secluded. It was a segment of the Changi Beach that was the perfect spot. Meet me at sunset, he told her. Arya simply giggled and nodded to him as she ducked back to her home. Benjamin waited for her on the shore in the soft sand that night. And sure enough, she came. Benjamin's shared sunset was perfect in every way. A kiss in the dark their feelings out in the open in a warm embrace. Just perfect. At least it was until the screaming started. Arya hid in Benjamin's arms. Startled, the couple called out if everything was okay. Two male voices creeped from the distance. It sounded like an argument at first. As the voices got closer and closer, it was clear that one voice was crying. He was begging and the other was demanding. Benjamin pulled Arya behind him as they creeped closer around the corner. Sure enough, two men could be seen. One knelt before the other in tears. The man in front of him wore a uniform and held a gun. It's over now, don't worry, I'll make it quick. The other wept more and more. Hey, Benjamin yelled out. Arya pulled him back. Benjamin couldn't just stand around and do nothing while this happened. He yelled again, hey. The man with a gun didn't react as if he didn't notice them or hear them. Benjamin got closer and closer, yelling at the top of his lungs, Stop that! No change. The man begged for his life as the other raised his gun and shot him point blank, blood spilling all over the sand. No! Benjamin screamed. He took Arya by the hand and ran away. The gunman still hadn't noticed them. 
Once in the clear, Benjamin dialed 999, and the authorities came as soon as they could. The officers scoured the beach, and no trace of the gunman. No dead body either. However, blood was discovered in the spot exactly where they mentioned. The cops were startled by what sounded like weeping nearby, but never found a source to the sound. Years later, Benjamin and Arya share a home and three children. It all turned out okay. The night that moved things along for them was also the night that they'll have nightmares of for years to come. To this day, they warn their children never to visit that beach, to let the spirits rest, or at least let them try to, without disturbance. That's so scary. That's just so creepy. Absolute chills. I got goosebumps. I have chills. That's I would just freak out. Now, interestingly, this is right by a hospital, which is also supposedly equally haunted by its patients that died there um, from similar activities, you know. So, yeah. Let's well, not World, go to Singapore. Was it also during World War II that that place became? Um, I, like, I, I, I believe it's from the same thing. Like, just a lot of yeah. wounded soldiers and things. I think it's just awful. I can't even imagine trying to have a peaceful, romantic moment and then have it ruined with a murder that never happened. You know what I mean? So, my question is then the beach is haunted from all the excommunications, but. You mean the executions? Yeah, from all the executions. But, um, like, why was the guard there? The ghost of the guard had to have gone on with his life, lived a fulfilling life, died, and then came back just to terrorize these spirits more? I don't know. I don't know. That is an interesting thought. Why would the executioner come back and relive that moment with him? And then my thought is, if the spirits are constantly reliving Uh their experiences, um, do you think, like, one spirit like the one victim and the one guard are just replaying it like a movie scene over and over again it could be i mean people keep reporting that they hear screaming and stuff maybe it's just the same image over and over um people like keep hearing weeping and stuff so maybe it is the same thing um but yeah that's Mm. scary can you imagine just like going out on the beach and you see some dude's head floating around Ugh. Absolute ick. Like, you think it'd be, like, hovering on the ground or, like, walking at, like, like face level? I think it'd be face level, which is <laughs> way worse, I think. Maybe. I don't know. If it was on both the ground, it might catch me by more surprise. That'd be, yeah. I think they're both equally freaky in different ways. I keep thinking about Toy Story where that guy came out of the sand box <laughs> and was like, that's what I think the headless guy would be like mm-hmm. just watching him walk around on the beach. Yep. Very creepy stuff. That's so creepy. yeah, that's our episode on Tales of the Sea. I hope that was intriguing. Um, I really feel like this podcast is gonna go places. This was just absolutely amazing doing the research and telling these stories uh, for you guys. If you're brave enough, you guys listen to it in the dark. So mm. on the sea, listen to it <laughs> on, on your next boat. cruise. Get <laughs> fucked up by the ocean and our stories combined. The ocean will get you. So we did. We made an email. Um, so it's twistedmanner.sub for submission, right? So twistedmanner.sub at gmail.com. Um, so we would love to hear your guys' stories. We love delving and doing research. So 
This episode was so much fun to prep for, but again, we love the credibility and to hear from our audience. So go on ahead, email us your submission at twistedmanner.sub at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing what you have to say and our what? They should send in like theme requests too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you guys want to hear a specific episode, like we could do any number of things we could do like monster specific we, we could, could do, do urbex we could do yeah like um location like we just did today um, like like folklore oh yeah like, urban legends and things absolutely. so whatever you guys want we're absolutely down for it um so yeah just enter your submissions of stories themes um we love to hear from you guys yeah, this was a lot of fun. I really liked this. I liked where this was going. So, um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys in the next episode of Twisted Manor. And you guys can also watch us on YouTube at Twisted Manor. Um, so thank you guys again. Have a great night.